0: Bye. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical LibroCubicularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Libre Cuba. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the Lackadaisical LibroCubicularist. Today, my friends, is Movie Monday! Through... Mm-hmm. Throw through, ha. and an extra long moo there for all my cow listeners. I know for nine out of ten farmers agree that if you play this podcast to your cows, the milk and meat will be sweet, sweet, sweet. Something I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. Please take heed of this warning. <coughs> It will most likely be your one and only warning. Do not count on any further warnings than this one. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is $1 million. (laughs) No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes as that is what helps podcasts grow and flourish. Flourish is the word of the day. That will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related business, which is today's sponsor, which is the American Insidious Scenic Route. Once again, today's sponsor is The American, Insidious, Scenic Route. Hustle on down and have that uh, have that a go and a look and things. Yeah, that's what you do. Do those things. Okay, so I have three movies today. Probably, I'll, you know what, I'll maybe make the attempt to get them done on the way to work, but that is unlikely. Probably two on the way in, one on the way home. How does that grab you? By the short and curly's, I hope, movie, the first, Insidious, colon, chapter two. Ooh. As you can imagine, as the title is indicating, this is number two in the now Insidious series. Insidious. 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 Series. We start off in 1986, where uh, we witness a young Carl. Carl, who is the sort of main guy, the husband of this family. If you did not see the first one, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. I think if you did not see this first one, you're going to have a little bit of a trouble knowing what's going on. A little bit. A little bit. Like, I didn't really remember too much of the first one, other than bits and pieces, and I had some trouble following certain parts of what was going on. The uh, jumping around in time... Does not help that confusion from 1986 witnessing this young Carl and his apparent ability to talk to the dead? Yeah, I guess if we boil it down, that's what we'll say. Uh, This ability was taken away from him through a mystic psychic person because uh, it was attracting dead people and he couldn't sleep. and You know, talking to dead people, not always a good thing, let's just say. In fact, uh, very rarely a good thing, I suppose. Anyways, we cut to many, many years down the road. We cut to, in fact, uh, just after the events of the first movie. When I say just, I mean like hours after the events of the first, of the first movie, which I'm going to try to not go into too much, other than to say a boiled-down version of a family. Carl here, his wife, and two kids are in sort of dire straits because one of their sons is in a coma for the reason that he has sort of psychically traveled to the netherworld apparently. This psychic travel has brought back ghosts which haunt them. It's kind of a haunted house style movie, which uh, for me are usually the scariest of scary movies or the haunted house style of them. Uh, On that note, why don't I just say, yeah, this was a pretty scary movie. Uh, I've been complaining lately that uh, I haven't really seen a scary movie, and the first half or quarter of this is, for me, scary. It kind of falls apart at the end, as most horror movies seem to do, once you sort of know what the bad guys are, that kind of ruins it for me, as far as generating of scares. But uh, towards the beginning, definitely, I had some goosebumps from time to time which is just what you're looking for. Okay, so those events happened um, in the first movie. The father went into this world to bring back a son. Yay, mission accomplished. Movie over the end. Question mark? No, obviously not the end. This is the second movie. So uh, it turns out it was not actually the husband who came back into his body, but rather a serial killer who was inhabiting his body. Uh, this has the effect of, well... The husband is possessed by a serial killer, one. Two, uh, I guess apparently the science behind being possessed is that when you have a dead body within a live body, it will slowly sort of decay, which uh, is kind of gross. And the other thing is that the serial killer's mother has sort of followed him as well, just in in a sort of ghost spirit sense and is causing shit around this household, scary shit, I uh, will even go so far as to say. So this sets it up for uh, Carl, the husband, trapped in the netherworld, who then has to basically haunt his own family. I guess he doesn't have to, but he's doing so for the reason that he wants back in his body. Uh, this is very, very cool for the reason that it allows him somehow, some way through this netherworld to kind of time travel. I think a, a good alternate title for this would be instead of uh, Insidious Chapter Two is to call it Insidious colon Time Traveling Ghost Dad, because that is amusing to me. It's like Ghost Dad with Bill Cosby that travels through time, though, like Doctor Who and in an Insidious movie. It covers all your bases, This is really. That is sort of the twist. Which uh, I liked. <laughs> I, I bet you, and in fact, I know because I watched this with the with the missus as well as the mother, as in my mother. Uh, we all watched it together. They didn't like the, the sort of time-traveling parts. And I think, well, again, I don't think. I know we're having a little difficulty following along with some of the weirdness of time travel. Just because I love time travel so much, uh, I found that part easy to understand and very much enjoyed it. Which I think for me changed this movie from a three rating to a four rating. Yeah, I like that. I have beginning scares at the beginning, actual factual scares. That's good. But then it fell apart for scares, which is not good. Then they add the time traveling ghost ad, which saying it is ridiculous, but I liked it. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I think four out of five. Yeah. Good, uh, good horror almost sci-fi in it flick. I suppose I can give away the ending in that the son, who was saved by the father, has the ability still to travel to this netherworld and then saves the father. So, uh, turnabout is fair play, as they say. Gonna have to stop and get... Well, not gonna have to, but am going to stop momentarily to get uh, a little breakfast, a little coffee, and uh, I will be back to talk about movie number DOS, titled scenic route oh uh, just because i have a couple of seconds to spare while i'm waiting why don't i give out the uh lackadaisical liberal list weather report because that makes sense to do on a podcast no it doesn't but i'm doing it goddamn well anyways it's minus 20 with the wind chill, it's supposed to feel like today at some point minus 39 Minus 39 with the windchill. That is goddamn cold. I was out, had to take the garbage out, and immediate icicle mustache. Yeah, n- not fun. Or funny, but it's not snowing, so I don't care. No snow? That's fine with me. Get as cold as you like. Nice and toasty in this car. All right, editing this out. Back in a moment. Editing. 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 On the road again. Road again. I bet the men in this movie wish they were on the road again, but they weren't. Oh, wow. Tying in the On the Road Again remix to the next movie called Scenic Route? Yes, that is what I've done. Pat on back. Pat on back completed. Uh, This is a couple of bros, a couple of brosifs, a couple of bros of Stalins traveling, let's just say across country for the sake of our talk here, where they are taking a scenic route through the desert. Scenic routes, all well and good, long, incredibly long, hundreds of miles from civilization, scenic routes through the desert. Maybe not a great idea, as proved in this film. Uh, I forget how I heard about this. I think it was on some list of like crazy movies or was it like just crazy movies of whatever year this was. Something like that. And I can't verify that this is a pretty crazy movie. Uh, stars... Oh shit, I didn't write down. Oh, you know what? This is this is a very rare occurrence that I'm remembering one of the names of the actors without writing it down. Josh Duhamel. Uh, I forget the name of his, uh, his bro, but uh, he is an actor who I've seen before. He was in a nerd movie where they went to uh, Lucas Arts, Lucas Ranch, that uh, movie. He's got a beard, uh, comedian, comedy actor. Anyways, he's good in this, because this role is definitely not all shits and giggles. His name is Dan Fogler, or perhaps Fogler. Mm, F-O-G-L-E-R, probably Fogler. Uh, He deserves credit for doing good. So, this is his name, said. Uh, yeah, back to the, to the show. Way more shits than there are giggles. Although, the odd giggle as well, which I appreciate. Josh Jumel's character feels... Mm. Mm, is traveling across country with this guy. His, the, I thought it was his brother over the course of the entire film. However, learned, like, right at the end that they weren't actually brothers, they are just friends. Anyways, his friend feels they have sort of drifted apart once Josh got married. And much evidence points to that this is a true fact. So he feels that uh, this cross-country uh, trip will bring them together. But he's wrong, because they sort of just drive in silence for the most part. And it is not like they used to be. Aw, oh, sadness. So what he decides to do is mess with the truck. So that it breaks down. Hmm. Smart? No. Breaks down right in the middle of the desert. Um, where, where shit quickly hits the fan. Belt? Uh, yeah, uh, it turns out that the combination of no food or water and incredibly high heats basically, I was, uh, I kind of wrote down slowly drives them insane, but it's not so slow. It's a, they are fairly quickly driven insane. It escalates and escalates and escalates, but it escalates pretty quickly, as uh, Ron Burgundy would say. Boy, their arguments at first are based around just life in general, how uh, Josh Duhamel's character is living the uh, sort of 9-to-5 office work, working for the man, as they say, uh, is pussy whipped, has a kid, and his life is just sort of turn to, as the other guy sees it, shit. Whereas, Josh believes the other guy, whose names... I have no names here. Just Josh Jamel and other guy. I don't have character names, I have no names at all. Just, there's only two people, so, if I say Josh and the other guy, that's how you'll know. The other guy is living in his truck, uh, doesn't have a job, (coughs) aspiring writer, and has sort of stuck writing not very good books, or occasionally good, but uh, has reached an impasse in his book writing career. So they both sort of believe one another is having a shit life, where in actuality they are sort of potentially both having shit lives. That's how it all starts. Now, it ends up in the thirst and heat of the day sort of escalating, and then in the cold of the night, further escalation, because that's a shitty thing about the desert. Frying during the day and freezing during the night. You can't win. It's a lose-lose, basically. Uh, the big guy reaches a point where he decides he's going to walk for it. Josh Schimmel cannot, for the reason that he his leg is in a cast. Yeah, that's sort of an important plot point, I suppose. Uh, the guy is walking away, and they're sort of fighting as he's leaving. And Josh throws a rock at him, hits him in the back of the head. It's one of those throws where it's like it leaves his hand, and he immediately regrets throwing it hits a guy in the back of the head, and he just fucking loses it. They get into a fight to the death. It's, it's basically a fight to the death where uh, the guy is knocked out. Josh presumes he is dead because he's not moving. Uh, he checks for a pulse, doesn't find it. Uh, I guess doesn't check to see if he's breathing because he still is. Uh, jo- Josh makes the uh, executive decision that he's got to bury him. <laughs> he's dragging him to the grave and the guy wakes up uh, and is eventually just like, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? What? What happened? He kind of doesn't really remember much of anything. That's when they decide to make their way out of there together on foot through the desert. Uh, so many just frustratingly sweaty hands, close calls of them being rescued. One of them is their they've sort of made their way into the desert. They're up on a hill and some guy comes along to tow their, Tow their truck out of the out of the way. <laughs> They're yelling and screaming, but the guy, the tow truck guy, got his uh, music pumped up so can't hear them. That is sad. They eventually reach a deserted town, a deserted town where there's some water, a deserted town where finally their cell phones have bars. Finally, right? Uh, they get a phone call and are saved. The end, or is it? this again, just like with Insidious, uh, a movie that I probably would have given a three, maybe a four to. The ending of this movie bumps it up to four, maybe even a five out of five. I really, really like this movie, especially the ending. It's set up from rescue on to sort of indicate that Josh, Josh Dumel's life is now perfect. His buddy moves in with him, His uh, wife, who was kind of treating him shitty, apparently, has sort of turned a new leaf. Uh, His kid is great. He quits his shitty job, uh, becomes a musician, and everything is just going amazingly. Amazingly to the degree where he kind of comes to the realization that uh, it's a little too good. And he calls his friend one night after waking up from a nightmare in which he's still in the desert. He calls his friend and says... What if none of this is real? What if we're still in the desert, dying of thirst, and this is all just sort of a figment, figment of my imagination? And the cool thing is, I very much like of that, is that it shows a shot of him then in the desert. It could just be a remembrance of that time, and everything is real, or it could be that, yes, he still is in the desert. He still is dying. He still is so thirsty, he is sort of Hallucinating all of these events within his head. Yeah. Uh, Just mind-bogglingly, blowingly stuff that I love. I love that kind of thing. The thing I think I like the most about it is that they don't uh, hold your hands. They don't pussyfoot about. They don't tell you which scenario is the actual true, true one. They leave it up to you, the viewer, to sort of basically just decide for yourself. Decide for yourself at the end of this movie what the ending of the movie is. And uh, that's really, really cool. The excitement it has generated in me talking about it these last several seconds means I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5. Yeah, 5 out of 5. People, I will be back in 8 hours for one more film. Little uh, little movie called American Hustle. Huh? You may have heard of it. Yeah. We'll save that for the drive home. Uh, that will leave one final thing to say, of course, which is, Oh my God. look at her I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. 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 We are back. Back in action. Hello again! Normally, I would not start recording my Drive Home podcast until I make this turn. However, uh, I have a feeling I'm going to be here for a little while because I left slightly later than normal. As in, like, probably 60 seconds? Maybe 55 and a half seconds? Somewhere in that neighborhood. If I leave uh, 55 seconds and a half early... It will cut down probably two to five minutes of my drive home because of this turn. However, if I leave at five or a little bit after, it uh, fucks my shit up, yo. Fucks my shit up, yo. So rather than have this be wasted, I figured, hey, oh my god,
1: all right, I just made the turn.
0: <laughs> so never mind anything I just said, turn completed. Probably, the gods of the turn heard me voicing my complaints and are like, Hey, this dude is not such a bad guy. Let's cut him some slack. So that is what has apparently happened. Thank you, gods of that turn. Praise be with you. And with you. American Hustle. Do the American Hustle. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Uh, dun 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 yeah, this is, a. Uh, Probably one of the newer movies that I brought back on a Movie Monday. Normally it's movies that are have been out for a little while, but uh yeah, this one's pretty pretty new. So, my spoiler warning at the top of the show. I'm going to reiterate here just for the reason that probably not too many of you listening to this have seen this movie. Potentially some of you have, and for you I will just shut up. But those of you who have not, probably going to spoil this pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. This would be, Oh, shit. Right off the bat, I can't remember. I think, did it say based on a true story? No. Uh, I can't remember. Unimportant. I, I always take that with a grain of salt when they do say it, so let's just pretend they didn't say it, even if they did. Although I don't remember if they did. Convoluted. Uh, this is the story of, of a con man, played by Christian Bale, Christian Bale, who in this role, if you've probably seen maybe some stills or trailers for this, uh, goes through quite a transformation. A lot of it takes place in the fact that he's a little pudgy, he's got some poundage on him. Uh, The other thing is his hair. It is a serious, a serious, a lot of work put into this comb-over, which, uh, it's kind of funny, I don't think you can really tell how intricate this comb-over is just by seeing uh, stills of movie shots or trailers, it's not until you actually see what it takes for him to set up with his like, I don't know, hair glue, some sort of glue that he puts on his hair and sprays. It's like building a fortress out of hair on your head. It's quite a sight. And a lot of sort of makeup and time must have gone into uh, doing this look, this not very attractive look. Uh, Story of him, anyways, and his sexy quote-unquote British partner in crime played by Amy Adams. Amy Adams, who I'm a big fan of. I don't think I have ever seen Amy Amy Adams in a role where I have not uh, thoroughly enjoyed her performance. And this definitely follows suit. So, yay! They are sort of, uh, well, in the case of Amy Adams, I was going to say young con artists in love uh, but Christian Bale not so much in the young department but still in the love department Uh, they're doing their thing ripping people off Uh, the way in which they rip people off I, I guess I can't imagine that this movie didn't do research and find out that this was a way that people have been ripped off before but it seemed very very strange. This is a period piece, I should mention, it takes place in the 60s or 70s. Oh shit. 60-70ish in that neighborhood. 60s, I believe. Anyways, uh, during sort of great economic upheaval where people could not get loans from their banks. So what they would do is come to Christian Bale And if they gave him $5,000, Christian Bales and this British woman, Amy Adams' British counterparts, would then loan the money. However, what we learn is that uh, A, Amy Adams is, in fact, not even British at all, and two, they don't have any connections, and all they do is take the $5,000 and don't give these people anything, which seems like something you could maybe get away with once or twice, but eventually, is not Word going to sort of get around? Is not eventually someone going to come looking for you, saying, hey, where's that money you said you were going to get me? I gave you my 5000 Now, can I have some of my money? Or even my money back? Or, I'll tell you what, if you don't give me my money, I'm going to bust your head in with this wrench. And then they have a wrench in their hand when they say that to indicate that they're serious. That does not happen. What does happen is the very last person that they pull this scam on turns out to be a member of the FBI, or the FBI, if you prefer, played by Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper says, okay, well, you got some options here. One, you go to jail. Or B, you come work for me, and you uh, sucker in five people, and then I'll let you free. So he wants to use... Christian Bale as a sort of lure to lure in other con artists and shady underhanded dealings and stuff like that. Christian Bale kind of doesn't have a choice, really. Or not not good choices, anyways, and decides yeah, I guess this is what we gotta do. The first person they do is the mayor of New York, played by Jeremy Renner. Quite a few big names in this. Uh, not New York, New Jersey, sorry. Uh, they get him basically taking a bribe. Now, you should know that Jeremy Renner, mayor of New Jersey, is not taking the bribe for a reason of sneaky, underhanded dealingness. No, not exactly. Anyways, he's a he's a good man. He's a family man. Uh, they very strongly emphasize the point that he's just doing this for the betterment of New Jersey, and that is why he's done it. He's taken this money and is going to use it to build casinos because he's made. Uh, gambling legal in Jersey and in order to bring in jobs and money to the state he uh he needs he needs some money it's that uh that old story that old saying that uh, you gotta spend money to make money and that is what he's doing so in order to get these casinos built what do you need what do you need to get construction done within New Jersey hmm let me think the mafia oh man that is not good uh Christian Bale is freaked the fuck out, rightly so, for the reason he believes he's been sort of the linchpin in uh, Bradley Cooper, who's sort of gone insane with power and has a lust to bring down everyone and anyone. Christian Bale thought they were going to do sort of small potatoes, get some uh, fellow con man, but it's turned out that uh, Bradley Cooper in his sane Mm coke-filled... Rage. Yeah, I'm not just saying that coat-filled rage. I quite literally mean coat-filled rage. FBI agent, coat-filled rage, uh, has decided that, no, we're going to go after the big fish because I am the man. Yeah. So uh, he's getting politicians, uh, senators, congressmen, eventually reaches this super-uber-uber- head-up guy within the mafia played by Robert De Niro. So, can't get much bigger name in the acting world as Robert De Niro. Actually didn't actually have a very big role in this. And that's when shit starts hitting the fan for the reason that the person they got to pretend to be a sheik, a sheik of the, you know, Middle Eastern variety, who's, who's donating all of this money. Well, not donating, but giving all of this money for this cause meets up with Robert De Niro and pals. Little do they know that because Robert De Niro is in the casino biz and has his hands in casinos in the Middle East, he speaks a little of the old Islamic, so uh, catches them in the act, basically, and he's not a happy camper. Threats are made, 10 million dollars is asked for out of respect for tricking him and this is where people are really losing their shit for example um christian bale is kind of he's got a bad heart he's got to take heart meds and this whole situation is not helping that situation situation's not helping each other basically uh bradley cooper continues down his coke filled rageaholics ness Uh, reaches the point where he beats up his boss, played by, oh yeah, I I wrote this down and I wanted to mention it, played by uh, Louis, or if you prefer, Louis (laughs) C.K. It was very cool to see him in this role, especially for the fact that this is going to be a little tease for a TV Tuesday down the road a little ways. Uh, I watched the first three seasons of the television show Louis, and I'm going to talk about that at some point. So, um, it was kind of funny to see, to go from those three seasons to immediately watching this movie and then seeing him in it, especially for the reason that he quite often talks about on a television show how much he hates acting. <laughs> so, I liked it. He was very, very good in this. He plays Bradley Cooper's boss in one sense. There's, there's this guy over Bradley Cooper, Cooper, and then uh, another guy sort of above the both of them who's playing along with Bradley Cooper's rage, coke-filled, crazy ideas and plans. Insane plans, did I mention? Yeah, insane plans. Oh, uh, another person of fame, very, very good in this movie, uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence, who, I know I'm not alone in this sort of prediction. Uh, I can guarantee I'm not, but uh, have been saying for a while now that, uh, she will be around for a long time. She's not one of those hot actresses who sort of come and go. She is a hot actress. That is true. But uh, she's not. She's going to be around for many, many years to come. Further evidence in this movie, she plays Christian Bale's wife, long-suffering wife, whereas Amy Adams is playing the mistress, I guess you would say. yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence, amazing in this as the sort of not very bright, long-suffering, manipulative, drunk, um, did I mention not very bright, causing of fires in the kitchen, they get, <laughs> oh, yeah, I think one of my favorite parts of this movie, has nothing to do with the movie, but uh, amused me to no end, <laughs> was that the mayor of New Jersey, in order to thank Christian Bale, got him a... Uh, microwave oven. This was before there were microwave ovens. This is basically the very first microwave oven that ever existed. It felt like probably a shit ton of money, like in the thousands of dollars guaranteed. (laughs) And uh, what I liked about it is they kept calling it the science oven. Just put it in the science oven. Oh, you're going to use the science oven. Oh, whatever you do, don't put metal in the science oven. (laughs) Jennifer Lawrence is like, don't put metal in the science oven. I'm going to do what I want. She puts metal in the signs of it and it blows up. Totally unrelated to the movie, but just that little highlight that I think makes a already good movie a great movie. To have that little little scene like that that's not really needed per se, but it's like the cherry on top for me. If you have not guessed at this point, I'm going to throw out my rating of... Ooh, debating going 5 out of 5. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go 5 out of 5. There was a moment of hesitation though. So, there, there you go. Convoluted fucking rating. A moment of hesitation before I give a 5 out of 5 is the rating. Part of my love of it is the little twist double cross at the end. This is a huge, huge spoiler. Uh, has sort of an oceans feel, a lot of the, the twists and, oh, I didn't see that coming vibe to it, especially towards the end where Bradley Cooper, obviously, he's the bad guy throughout, and you're sort of rooting for Christian Bale, the underdog. So because that is happening throughout, you kind of know that it's not going to end with Christian Bale being the the, the quote-unquote loser at the end. There's he, He's down a lot, and you really feel bad for him and think, man, this guy's a fucking loser. But he does pull it out at the end. He gets the girl back. In the case of Amy Adams, he sort of comes to terms with his wife, gets a divorce, happy on both sides, and, you know what, since I'm close enough to home and don't feel like I have to give away the twist, I won't. I will just say that Christian Vale comes out on top. Yeah. How does he go about doing it? I will leave that for you. The I hope... Viewer of this movie to experience for yourself. Unless of course you've watched it, and then we're just gonna give a little nudge nudge, wink, wink, say no more to ourselves. Okay? Okay. As Buckwheat would say, and that rhymes and you know it rhymes, folks! That is an episode, that is a movie Monday. I have enjoyed our talk today. I feel like that rhymed a little bit too. That will of course of horse a horse. Leave one final thing to say, which is, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory.